Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama. Welcome you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. We will continue our study, Romans chapter number 5, verse number 10. Again, that's Romans chapter number 5, verse number 10. And the word of God reads, So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. That is the Passion Translation. I'm going to read this in the New King James Version or the King James Version. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Very powerful scripture. Um, Life-changing power, life, virtue, and light in this particular scripture that can change form the trajectory of any believer's life who truly grasps these. We're going to take our time to, for a brief moment, to just dig into a deeper understanding of Romans chapter number 5, verse number 10. <clears throat> now, it starts off by saying, for if when we were enemies. And it's important for you and I to understand that because sin is hostile against God, against righteousness, against the kingdom. Sin is everything that is against the creator. The nature of sin is rebellion against the creator. It is uh, it is the apex of the maturity of intense hatred and hostility toward everything that is pure, everything that is loving, everything that is just, everything that is right, everything that is wholesome, everything that is orderly and supposed to be loving and kind, and everything that is righteous and fair. That is the nature of sin. Okay? And so... Sin is is the intent and the mentality and the action to not just go against the Creator or go against God, but sin desires to be God itself. It desires to be worshipped as God because sin originated from the fallen angels who wanted to exalt their throne above uh According to Isaiah 14, above the other angels in heaven, and also wanted to be like the Most High. And the angels felt that they should be worshipped as gods as well, instead of being in obedience or subservient to the true and living God. And so it's important to understand that when man chose sin, the first man, Adam, then man chose to be an enemy of God. Okay, And it's important to understand that in light of the scripture, because if we don't grasp that particular truth, we, won't, we will miss the full revelation of God's love toward us. Because God loved us, and he loves us, despite in a lot of our ways and actions and deeds. Um, but despite of us exemplifying anti-Christ nature against God behavior, characteristics, and actions, God still loved us. 
And so it says, for when we were enemies, key word here to the born-again believer is were. Were is past tense. So the word enemies means to, to be actively hostile. So when we were hostile toward God, opposing God, hating God, it is also a word used of man being at enmity with God by their sin. So when we were at enmity, enmity means against or at war against God through our lifestyle, our choices, and our sinful nature. And even when we oppose God in our mind, that's what it means to be an enemy of God as well. Okay. This word enemies also means the devil who is the most bitter enemy of the divine government. So even when we function in ways and agree with demonic nature, thoughts, passions, and desires, willfully we chose to walk in sin and to agree with an entire realm of fallen angels and demonic entities that were anarchists and that were uh, and that still are uh, the extreme haters of the government of heaven, of the will, the way of God and of the worship of God Almighty, despite of being in agreement and being wrong and being hateful and becoming hostile and an adversary against God, when we were yet in that condition, in our sin, uh, God loved us. Not only did he love us, but in that very same state, the Bible says that he reconciled Bible says, if when we were in it, we were reconciled to God by the death of he reconciled us unto himself. In that condition, he reconciled us unto himself. Now, it's important because if you can look at this, that this means that God is looking way beyond our actions and in a lot of ways way beyond our nature. Okay. And so... There's a lot more to you than just your present actions. And there's a lot more to you than certain character defects that you may perceive that you have. Because despite of a certain lifestyle, a certain nature, and certain actions, certain thoughts, God still saw that there was another part of us that was worth dying for. And that was worth loving. Now, we know that God does not love sin. So we know that there has to be a part of us that exists that has nothing to do with sin that God loves. Okay. Despite of our battle with sin, despite of our bondage of sin, he was still able to see through that and see the good portion of the good part of man, of humanity. And I personally believe he, despite of the sinful nature, and despite of the malpractices of, of the frailty and the imperfection of our ways, that, that when he looks at man and woman, despite of what condition that they're in, that he can always see a part of them that's separate from sin that's worth loving. And the part that I believe that he sees in every one of us that makes us worth loving, despite of where we think we are in our nature and condition, is that he sees his image 
and his likeness on the inside of us because we were created in it regardless. And I think the part of, part of him in us that, that can't be taken regardless is the part that God can always look at and to see apart from sin. He can look at himself in man. He can look at himself in woman. And he can love that portion of that man or woman, okay, because that portion will always exist in all of us, and it will exist in his pureness apart from sin, his image, and in his likeness. And so his image and his likeness can never be an enemy against itself because it is his, his likeness, okay? Uh, God doesn't have any self-hatred. And so there will always be a part of man that is worth loving because we're created in his image and in his likeness. And if God were to ever choose to completely and totally hate man and not love man, then God would literally be hating himself because we're created in his image and in his likeness. And so to understand it is important, verse 10, because there are so many people that struggle today with wondering, how does God feel about me? Does God hate me? Does he love me? Is he seeking to help me, destroy me? Is he intentionally punishing me? Is he trying to make my life miserable? Okay. Is he out to get me? And when we read verse 10, if, if that Christian, it doesn't matter because Babies in Christ struggle with it, and sometimes mature believers may struggle with it as well. But Romans chapter 5, verse 10 should answer that because it says that before you and I were doing anything good or anything righteous or anything remotely close to trying to live for God, walk in obedience. It's, this is when we were out in our sinful ways and sinful days and we're nowhere near God and we're searching for God. His love was still perfected toward us then when we were literal, literally considered enemies. Now, God's, God's perspective toward those who, and notice that it says, it's not that God becomes an enemy of us because the truth of the matter is, is that God can destroy his enemies and he got so much power. He only has a lot of enemies to exist. But when we make ourselves through being obedient to the nature of sin an enemy of God, okay, there are times when we can be mad at God and God's not mad at us. We can hate God, but it don't mean God hates us. We can shake our fist at God, but it doesn't mean God is shaking our fist, his fist at us. You know, we can lash out at God, but it doesn't make mean that God has to lash out at us. So sometimes... The nature of man, which is the nature of sin, makes itself, by its choices and actions, the enemy of God. Just like the angels that rebelled, God didn't have anything against them. They had something against God. And so it's important to understand this, that the love of God remains constant. The wisdom of God remains constant. The compassion of God remains constant. The heart, the ways of God remains consistent and constant. And so when you're tempted to think that God is against you, that 
God has cursed you or that God wants to punish you or to see you fail. It's important that you remember this truth that when, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. Now, when we deal with this word reconcile, uh, it means to, to be returned to favor. To be returned to favor or to, to change mutually. So he reconciled us. He brought us back to favor. Okay? Listen to this, though. By the death of his son. So he favored you and I so much that he gave his son to die. Or he willed, W-I-L-L-E-D, good toward man, more than just mentally, more than just verbally, but with an action, with an intent that was so strong that his goodwill toward man inspired him to give the most important, priceless, precious thing that he had to establish good in man, which was his only son. Talking, talking about backing your words up or backing your imagination up with actions. A lot of times people can say things, but they don't put any actions behind it uh, to give it any credibility or any worth. But it's amazing because uh, his desire for you and I to experience good and experience divine favor was so strong that he gave us only son for us to give that desire uh, credibility, premium, and true worth. And so it's important that we grasp this. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, brought back to God, or received into favor right standing, um, blessing, um, to be fond of, endearment, okay? With God or reconciled to God. Now, when we're talking about to God, I want you to think about the Father because the whole goal of the gospel and the wisdom of God is to it's for God the Father to get his creation back. Not just to save us from hell, but he wants us back in fellowship, back in favor, back in right standing, back in uh, intimacy that he had with Adam before the fall, before sin entered, to get us back into that degree of right standing. Okay? And so he reconciled us to himself by the death of his son. So when you think about the cross and when you think about why Jesus died, your mind should go to the understanding that without his death, you and I could not have been restored into divine favor with God the Father. 
And so when you're teaching and preaching the gospel and we say, well, he died, he was crucified, he died and he rose, now when you talk and you understand the death of Christ, you can understand the significance of it as well. There was nothing that Jesus endured or went through that was for nothing. Everything that he went through was for a purpose, a redemptive purpose. That's why the Bible says the very stripes that he took for us, by those stripes we are healed. Okay? By those stripes, the crown of thorns that he wore, it was for a significant purpose. Okay? Everything has redemptive value that our Lord and Savior went through. And it's important that we allow the spirit of wisdom and revelation to give us insight and clarity you know, to understand his life, his purpose, his significance, and why, uh, why these things were done on our behalf. So it says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death, the death, the death, the death of his son. So the minute that he gave up the ghost, the, the, the price that had to be paid for you and I to be restored to divine favor with God had been purchased. Okay? Now, when we understand that Jesus died and through his death, legal reconciliation had been secured for you and I, in other words, those who were enemies were giving the legal right to be brought back into the favor of becoming sons and daughters with with the very entity that they had be they were hostile against in the beginning, that they were enemies against in the beginning. And so let me paint the picture. Humanity hates God. As a result of that hatred, God looks down at humanity, despite of the hatred, and loves them with an everlasting love, a love that's so strong that he gave the one thing that he loved the most for the enemies that hated him. His son. So he gave his son to the haters that hated him. And then he allowed the haters that hated his son to kill his son in order to make the enemies and the haters of God sons and daughters in exchange for his son. That's a crazy love. He turned around and gave the haters of his life, his nature, and his ways, his only son. And when they got his son, they hated his son even more and killed his son and murdered his son. And he did that to make the haters and the murderers of his son sons and daughters unto him and to bring them back into favor and to give them stuff that they that just didn't make sense, that, that we don't deserve. 
Okay. That's love. So when we, when we allow the enemy to start messing with our mind about do God love me? Is he with me? Do we really care? Is he out to get me? Is he out to condemn me? Is he going to destroy me because of... The only way that those lies and temptations of the mind can have any power to persuade a person is if they have not fully beheld the love of God revealed through Scripture in Romans chapter number 5, verse 10, verse 9 and 10. And this is why it's important, you guys, that as a Christian, we stop trying to live the Christian life based off human reasoning, opinions, what we think, and how we feel about things. And we're so quick to say, I feel like this, and I feel like that, and I feel like God this, and I feel like God. But most of those feelings are void, are void of biblical knowledge and biblical truth. Okay? The love of God is not revealed through your feelings. It is revealed through the actions, okay, the eternal actions and the, the, the record of eternal acts of love demonstrated and expressed toward you and I, okay, that validates God so loving the world. And it's important because before you and I can begin to, um, to walk in the fullness of of that love, then we have to become knowledgeable of that love as it is revealed through Scripture and not try to look for the proof of that love through emotions. Because what will happen if you embrace it, if you embrace it through revelation of the Scripture first, it is powerful enough to secure you in his love, in addition to impact the emotions, to bring security to the emotional arena, a security that cannot be shaken. But if you seek to understand the, the love of God alone through daily feelings, of it feeling like he's there, feeling like he's not there, through circumstance instead of divine truth, you'll find yourself subject to much manipulation, much hype, much disappointment, and also much satanic oppression and deception as well. <clears throat> All truth is built on truth, and that truth is the man Jesus Christ. Praise God. So it goes on and say, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. So if he brought you and I back to us, back to himself, and he loved you and I before we were sons and daughters of God, but as enemies, he purchased us and brought us back to himself through the death of his son, now that you and I have received the Son, 
Now that you have been born again, now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, now you're tongue-talking, now you have been to the altar and felt his presence and received the witness of his spirit. Now God has given you that assurance that you are a child of God. Okay. How is it that we could think that his motive for us is anything else at this point apart from establishing in you and I that God kind of liked the Zoe, giving us the fullness of salvation? I want you to look at two things in verse 10 as it relates to Jesus. It speaks about his death and his life. So we're talking about at the cross and after the cross. His death at the cross, his life resurrected from the dead. So again, his death being crucified, his life, resurrection from the dead. There were two different things that were accomplished in his death Reconciliation, brought back into divine favor, okay? His resurrection, his life, saved or salvation by his life. That means healing, protection, preservation, deliverance, wholeness, peace, prosperity, soundness. That's what the word saved means, sozo. And so when we were enemies, we're brought back into divine favor through his death. And now being in divine favor, he gives us what the Bible calls eternal life or salvation, which is the God kind of life through his resurrection. And so when you think about the crucifixion of Jesus, you should think reconciliation. When you think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you should think salvation. Again, when you think about the purpose of the death of his son, you should think being restored to divine favor. When you think about the life of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus, you should think about receiving the God kind of life or salvation. Now, let me explain something. It's only to the degree that you and I choose to identify with his death that we begin to feel favored Think favor, act favor, experience favor, possess the intimate favor of God. Because you can't, you can't, you have to recognize that restoration to divine favor comes through death. So what happens if we're the, we're the type of Christian but that we, re we refuse to die. We refuse to let go of our own ways, our own thoughts, our own mentality, our own 
uh, what we think is right, what we want to do. What happens if we don't surrender to the cross? Then we become void of the experience, the daily experience of divine favor. Okay? Not the positional thing, not the not the doctrinal, theological thing that's done, because the truth of the matter is, is that there's some things that Jesus did at the cross that even though he did them, in order for you and I, for lack of better words, to activate them in our daily life, we have to also uh, walk in obedience to the instructions or the conditions. In so many words, that we are given biblical commands to deny the flesh and to die daily and take up our cross and follow him. Galatians 2.20, to be crucified with Christ, not just like he did, not on his behalf, but with him, to identify with his death. And so when a Christian can choose to release their faith, Okay. to identify with the death of Jesus with the intent of dying with him as well, to self-will, to self-desires, to self-way, to self-nature. Then at that moment when we identify with the death of Christ, we do so with the joy that's set, but we do so with the intent to be restored to divine favor with God. When we say, not my will, but thy will be done as a way of life, we do so to be restored to favor with God, the experience of daily favor with him. We can't go in a, in a, in a direction refusing to die to self. A person can't go in a different direction and to do things that God is not pleased with or to operate in ways that God has not warned or that God has not blessed and expect to experience daily favor with it. Not that it doesn't exist. It's just that we're choosing to walk a different path to experience. But it is also impossible to surrender your heart and your life to him and say, Lord, Thy will be done, not my will. And to not instantly be infused with the joy of the Lord, which becomes your strength, with the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, with the presence of God that overshadows you, okay? with, with the reality of God that keeps you in perfect peace, with the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, okay? with the presence of the Lord, with the secret of God that rests upon you, okay? with the love of God confirming you, constraining you with the spirit of God bearing witness to your spirit that you're a child of God like instantly you begin to enter into the favor of the Lord when we choose to identify with Jesus in his death God bless you grace and peace be with you I pray that this study brings life truth and encouragement to you and aids and assists you in being Christ like till next time we will see you praise God God bless.